Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. Here tonight, it's Ian and Aria. We did not have any plan to do this. This was kind of a last-minute thing. You shot me a message late this afternoon saying that you were inspired for some reason to watch this new... Yeah, I read an article. You watched this new Velma cartoon, or you attempted uh, to watch the new Velma cartoon. And yeah, every now and then we do a little pop culture uh, commentary here on Free Talk Live. What got me intrigued was that there was a suggestion that, like, nobody likes it, like... People really? on the le- people on the right are upset because it's this woke nonsense, right? And people on the left are upset about it for actually kind of similar reasons, but from the opposite perspective. Hmm. And then, of course, you have Scooby Doo fans who were upset about it because it's got nothing to do with Scooby Doo, except that they lifted the characters, yeah. from Scooby Doo. So I was like, all right, I I need to watch this because it sounds like a train wreck, and if everyone agrees that it's terrible i want to know if it's actually terrible (laughs) and who is right here and is everyone right from what i can tell yeah sort of everyone's everyone's (laughs) right it's bad in all sorts of ways it's a non-stop train wreck there's nothing good about it i i laughed on one occasion i also laughed on one occasion was that when like she went dark because i don't saw mysteries anymore and no, then, that didn't make me Because that was just so predictable that I saw that I laughed that that expectation was fulfilled. I only laughed. The only scene I laughed at, there was a scene. So it takes place at a high school, of course, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I only uh, laughed at the scene in the bathroom where the toilet keeps flushing as Daphne oh, is trying good. to talk. Yeah. That was the only... That was the only part that got a laugh out loud for me. And it wasn't a really loud one. It was just like, <laughs> okay. Yeah, a chuckle. that. The jokes didn't seem to be very well written. If they, if there were any jokes no. at all, there was a lot of poking fun. It, it, I don't know, I don't know who it was trying to make laugh. Right? It seemed to me to be this sort of within minutes of starting this thing, you can it, the wokeness is like with like you told me on offline that or off the show that you stopped watching after a minute just because it seemed to already have been fulfilling what people were saying about it yes. as far as the woke aspect. Uh, but then you had messaged me, and I said, well, I'm already eight minutes into it, because I didn't tell you I was going to watch it. Right. I just uh, started watching it, and so you then picked it up again. So we've both seen the first episode in full, right? Yes. Okay. There's uh, like 30 seconds left in the first episode that I didn't watch, but it's like nothing's going to dr- be dramatically different in the last 30 seconds. There's another dead body seconds. that shows up at the okay. in the last 30 seconds. Um, so what I was going to say was, first thing that really struck me with this was that it's going to be one of those things that does not age well because it's loaded with pop culture references. They're like naming actors and stars and referencing right. you know, other things that are very sort of timely. You know, oh, well, blah, 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 Don Cheadle and, you know, like star names and things like that. It's like, okay, well, you know, if you go back and you watch, I presume, right, like I haven't seen an episode of uh, Scooby-Doo in quite a while but I'm guessing they're probably not referencing old 50s uh, stars very often in Scooby-Doo, right? Like- I'm assuming not. These episodes of Velma haven't really impressed critics, but audience reviews, those are brutal. Currently, Velma mm. is reviewing with a very poor for HBO Max, 50% from critics, All right. and has only 9% from hundreds of audience scores. That's pretty brutal. Yeah, I don't know that I would score it that low. I think I'd probably give it a 30 maybe 30 out of 100 maybe i don't know i'd, I'd want to see the second episode before i could really make a um before you hop in and say review. well this is people review bombing the show because it's made the cast more diverse that's kind of one of the weirdest things here velma seems like it's upsetting both sides of its potential audience sure there will be the usual it's down to six percent on rotten tomatoes i don't Ooh, know if it wow. was at nine percent but it's at six now that's rough because <laughs> this article from forbes down at the bottom it does have an update saying you know more time has passed since we wrote this and it hasn't gotten any better now it's down to six percent oh, and you're yeah. saying now it's down to i mean now it's, it's down to seven percent was what they said yeah yeah so it's gone from seven to six percent since they updated the article so yeah, people are saying it's made the cast more diverse. I can't imagine too many people who actually who cares? are going to watch. Care yeah. about that? Well, people on the right who are upset because oh no, there aren't as many white people on TV or whatever. I, they're upset, but okay, so, I suspect that's a very small minority. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Like to me, I don't. That doesn't bother me at all. I don't care if you change the color of the Little Mermaid. It doesn't bother me in the least. It's a fictional character. You can make them whatever yeah. color you want to. Um, I think it's. It could be kind of fun, maybe, what they're going to do with the Norberg character. What was his name? Norville. Uh, Norville. 
Nordberg's from uh, the uh, uh, what is it? The Naked Gun series. That's what I was. Con- he okay. was O.J. Simpson's character in the Naked Gun series. Anyway, Norville. I'm gonna predict that he's anti-drug now, but he becomes shaggy later as he discovers marijuana. He's, I don't know if he's in, he mentions college. I don't know if he's in college yet because they're the, all in high school, right? The episode he's in takes, her math class. Oh, is he in the class? I didn't I didn't remember. Yeah, they, that. he gets tutoring from her or something like that, and she wants to stop the tutoring, so he okay. wants to just send her. His answers, and she will correct them. It's in the back. It, they didn't I go totally into specifics, that but th- they did allude to it. All right. I didn't pick that up. So, yeah, I think he's he's planning to go to college or whatever. My prediction is if they're going to stay true to the original, he has to become shaggy at some point, right? Because he's he's obviously that character. He wears the green shirt. And so right now he's straight edge. But I think something's going to happen to him where, unless they play him straight edge throughout the whole series, which wouldn't make much sense. That's what I like about how they, the, the one thing I do like about it is that Velma was like, this is my version of the story, right? Mm-hmm. This is this is her take on right. these on the Scooby-Doo mythos. Uh, that was someone else's take. It's someone else's version, maybe Fred's or Daphne's or whoever. Shaggy was this pot-smoking white dude. Mm-hmm. But in her version, he was this upstanding, drug-free person. Because remember, in the original show, they never actually showed him doing drugs. It was just sort of understood by yes. all the adults and stuff that you know he was smoking pot. But that original series that we all know and love, that's just someone else, some other character's interpretation of mm-hmm. how the show was. And we don't know who that was, but this is her interpretation. Right. So which one of those is the way Shaggy really was? Was he really this Norval <laughs> character? Or was he really the pot smoker? Was he something in between? I don't know. I, it's obviously a reimagining to some extent, right? Because, right. Uh, like you said, whether there's going to be a talking dog show up uh, at some point will still remain to be seen. But if you watch the show, it feels like it's almost making fun of shows that do diversity casting or social messaging. And it's this is what Forbes said. Yes, and it's not wrong in that note as well. Like it, 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 it seems self-aware about that. Yeah, yeah, but that doesn't excuse it. No. And, and too many of these people think that it, it does excuse it. Like ha ha ha, we're we're poking fun at how social justicey we are, aren't we clever? Uh-huh. But we're meanwhile we're ultra social justicey. Right. It yeah, they're wearing it like it. a badge at the same time for sure. Yeah, it's still it's still gross and it's still cringy. It's led what you might have assumed would be a more left-leaning fan base for the show to accuse creator Mindy Kaling. Yeah, before you go on on that, just further a further thought on on that. It's like, why do they have to call it out? Like, it's okay that Velma's a really smart Indian girl or whatever, the Middle Eastern girl. I think that's yeah. what she's supposed to be. But instead, they they have to spend narrative time explaining how she is and her friends and, and like the and how the thing. white dude thinks she's Mexican. Like that comes out repeatedly. <laughs> In the first episode of the show, and it's like, is there, is there really any point in the in spending so much time on this, except to create this narrative of a white person being able to tell the difference between yeah. a Hispanic person from Mexico and a Middle Eastern person? Because I've met and know people from the Middle East, and I've met it's and know Hispanics. Yeah. yeah, and I've never had any difficulty right. saying, "Oh, you're you're you must be from <laughs> India," because. You're brown, I guess. No, that's not the well, way the anyone idea sees is the that world. character is supposed to be stupid. So I guess that's why. But still, there's just so much um, exposition explaining the wokeness, and it's just it's not necessary. Yeah, absolutely. But people do have this impression that it's sort of making fun of wokeness, and that's why. Uh, the left-leaning fan base for the show is accusing creator Mindy Kaling of making it actually a somewhat conservative project. Oh, my God. As people cite past comments she's made and things like her liking recent J.K. Rowling tweets as oh, evidence no. of her personal views. Because <laughs> apparently, I mean, J.K. Rowling is a turf. There's very little doubt about that. Trans-exclusionary Radi- Trans-exclusionary radical, radical feminist. It's okay. these sort of... Um, Radical feminists, or these sort of feminists who think that trans women shouldn't count, right? Mm-hmm. And that they're hurting right. the feminist movement or whatever. I don't, I, if you're one of these people, you're welcome to call in and explain to us exactly what sure. you think, because I'm just basing my understanding of it based on what I've experienced. Now, isn't Mindy Kaling, uh, who's the producer, I guess one of the producers of this series, isn't she like a commie or something like that? I don't know a lot about her. I don't know a lot about her either, mm. unfortunately. Mm. Apparently the lefties aren't happy, so that's interesting. That that makes me like, hmm, what's really going on here? Above all else, it feels like the humor just is not connecting connecting for really any audience. And this that's was, true. Yeah, this, I don't know who is it supposed to be making laugh, but like, yeah. 
I've laughed more watching funerals. No, that's not quite true. Because I did laugh once. Well, I mean, and I a, don't think I've ever laughed at a funeral. This isn't a monster show at this point, right? Like, and I didn't think it was going to be. Um, this is a murder show at this point. There's a body that shows up at the high school. They're trying to figure out, or Vel- there's not even a they at this point. It's Velma is trying to figure out. Uh, who is behind it? She doesn't really successfully figure that out at the very end of the episode, and then another body shows up. So this is going to be a murder show, a murder mystery. Keeping in mind, I didn't see the second, uh, the second body. It also had the entire brain yeah. removed because that was the manner of or yeah, one of the features of the first death. Yes, exactly the same kind of uh, killing another high school girl. I don't mind Scooby-Doo not being a prominent character. I do think it would be a good idea. As I've said, and I'm not going to keep rehashing this, but I do think they need to introduce a doll character. It, it could be a minor character. Maybe Orville. No, I keep calling him Orville. Maybe he's got a dog. And that's that's all this ever said about it. Mm. Or maybe uh, he'll hallucinate a dog later when he finally stops being straight edge and turns into shaggy. I don't know. It's possible. But the absence of Scooby-Doo and, I mean, the degrees of separation from the Scooby-Doo mystery show for kids, mm-hmm. that doesn't bother me at all. I mean, you can make an adult, just like the BBC series of Merlin, it was completely divorced from Merlin, as I understand, from The Once and Future King by T.H. White, which was completely divorced from whatever mythology he drew it from, going all the way back to the Middle Ages. And, and as long I, as it's yeah. good, who cares? I mean, only only true fanatics care about you know, being appropriate to the source material or sticking with the source 100%. That's only a true fan. And that's why I like Bonnie's perspective on this, because the vast majority of these people, I would speculate, are not true fans of Scooby-Doo. These people meaning... The people, people who are criticizing Velma for not being true to the source material mm. or whatever. They're not, they're not diehard Scooby-Doo fans, right? They're not, oh, they might be. I, I suspect some of them are, but most of them, I think, are not. And I realize that's just speculation. Wow. But I don't think there are the super fans out there who are upset about it not being like like the Little Mermaid thing all over again. A lot of these, well, it's not true to the source material, and that upsets me as a fan. Of, but were you really a fan of the Little Mermaid until they made the Little Mermaid black and you had something to be upset now you about? Care, yeah. yeah. Uh, according to ScreenRant.com, they're saying season two has already been confirmed at HBO Max despite the recent backlash, which is surprising. I mean, this thing has been panned. From apparently both the left and the right. and I, I don't know how surprising it is. Uh, HBO has said that it's their most watched show, and it sort of gets into the Streisand really? effect. It is their most watched premiere or something like that. It's Amazing. But it's because, like, I've never watched one of their premieres. This, this is the first yeah. HBO original I have ever seen. Mm-hmm. So they did something right. If the goal is to get people to... To eyeballs into HBO Max, and they succeeded. They got people out, yeah. I reactivated my HBO account recently. I would not have done so to watch Velma, Velma mm-hmm. I don't think. I did it to watch Doctor Who. But mm. maybe some people will keep their subscription because they just got to see this train wreck go on. They just got to see how it ends. Was there more that you wanted to share from Forbes? There's a little bit more. Uh, I wish they got into the specifics of what criticisms people on the left have. Uh, they... They, they do get into one. Let me find it here. It's a tweet they shared from somebody, and I am pulling it up now. I'm happy Mindy Kaling's style of writing brown girls that hate themselves wasn't around when I was younger and mm. only became a thing when I was at the age where I loved my heritage and skin color. I can't imagine being young and already self-conscious and then seeing that portrayal. So apparently... Oh, they're saying it's not uplifting enough. They're saying that, the, that Velma criticized herself a lot or... Mm-hmm. Or did, or whatever, portrayed herself negatively for being an Indian girl or a brown character, whatever she was. I I didn't ask what her ethnicity was, and I didn't pay close enough attention to find out. But mm. I think you said she was supposed to be from India. I, I don't know if it's India, but she's clearly from the Middle East or India or somewhere out there. Okay. I mean, her her dad is is very dark. And to uh, be fair, gentlemen. to be fair to that, a lot of people can't tell the difference between someone from Pakistan and someone from India. So that, that's not a white people thing. Like they, the countries are yeah. next to each other. People, we're not right. being racist for saying that. <laughs> right. I mean, there would be people out there. It's like you can't tell the difference between a Middle Eastern and an Indian. But like, dude, have you been to Pakistan or India or the Valley or the Kashmir Valley? I mean, I'm going to defend what the show could become. You know, the, it could very well be that this character, right, in in series. They have a lot of time to do things, right? It's not yeah. just a movie. You don't just have an hour and a half. You've got an entire series to go through, at least a season, maybe now two, where you may see this main character 
go through the change of being this self-hating, you know, oh, I'm a dork and no one likes me, to being a confident uh, nerd or whatever, right? Like knowing that she's good at solving mysteries and becoming, uh, you know, really, really confident with herself towards the end of the season or towards the end of the series. And so this person who's criticizing, oh, well, she should already be a strong Indian girl right from day one. Maybe that's not the intention of the show's creators. Maybe they want to. Maybe they want to have a dynamic character that doesn't start out as a winner or doesn't start out as the, you know, the 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 top the top sleuth in the town well the strange thing is you can't even see any reviews on rotten tomatoes normally you see like critics reviews and audience reviews and that sort of thing and i'm, I'm not even seeing that they may so. have paused it because that's a, what a lot of companies do when they get review bombed oh. is they pause it and they hide all reviews because it's not maybe I maybe mean, hbo's paying them or something like that well it could be but I wouldn't if I had a review site. I wouldn't want to be responsible for a good show failing because it upset a bunch of Republicans. Well, right? apparently everybody's upset about this. They this are. Show. It, it does seem to be the case that they are, and for good reason. It is woke nonsense, and it's not funny in being woke nonsense. And then it does apparently go the other direction. You can't be funny and be and be woke nonsense, right? Like, I mean, the the old joke is the left can't meme, and there's something to that. Like, I don't know why it is, but these people, they it seems to be the more woke they are, the less of a sense of humor that they have. Because, I mean, look at the, the chat GPT that we were talking about the other night. It is prohibited by its quote-unquote ethics rules from cracking a joke that could possibly offend. Well, if you want to have a good joke, it could possibly offend. That's generally the rule with humor is that there's supposed to be some sort of a target. There's somebody that's being picked on. There's some sort of a a victim, quote unquote, of the humor. That's generally a a truth about uh, humor. And so like when you ask Chad GPT to write a joke, it gives you the lamest like elementary school kind of joke that you can possibly get. That's right. Uh, Bonnie asked it to make a joke about Cartman or something to that effect or to make give it a South Park joke. I don't remember what she asked it, but the joke was, why did Cartman cross the road? And the answer was, so he could meme himself or something like that. That was ChatGPT's oh, joke, and it was, it was so awful. Okay, I just asked it to write a joke, and it gave me the exact same joke that it did the last time I asked it to write a joke, which is, why was the math book sad? Because it had too many problems. I mean, that's literally something you would hear in kindergarten. I mean, ha ha. That, that is a joke. It, it's too <laughs> stupid. Yeah, it's too obvious and not not good to be funny. But I, it is it's a, joke. a joke. But can you ask it to write a better joke? <laughs> <laughs> let's let's not do it on the air uh, because it's bad. It's yeah. it's it's completely crippled. From being funny, which is what wokeness does to comedy. It cripples their options of things to have fun with because some people can't take a joke and it, and they, these woke people don't want to offend anyone. So they just don't tread into territory that could possibly be funny. I mean, you go back to old movies. Bonnie and I were watching uh, the Naked Gun series recently and Police Squad, which was the original series that uh, inspired the Naked Gun series. Have you seen these movies? I have not. Oh, wow. Uh, so Zucker, Abrams, Zucker, these were like the the kings of sort of slapstick, hilarious, throw it up against the wall, see if it sticks kind of comedy. It just okay. There's some of the funniest movies. Airplane is one of their movies. Uh, I'm familiar with Airplane. I've never seen it, but yeah. I understand the basic concepts and the, and the style of humor that it has. And these movies could not come out today. They, no, they certainly just, not. They could not come out today. There's so many jokes at the quote-unquote expense of somebody, usually being delivered by or being uh, accepted by somebody who is of the you know the race or, or the gender or whatever right. that is being made fun of because those people could take a joke. Major Payne, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Aria. Go ahead. Yeah, you guys are discussing old school comedians. You guys are probably all too young to remember this cat, but his name was Soupy Sales. And he had a kitty show. Didn't he host Saturday. the Gong Show? Um, he may have for a minute. He, okay. I mean, he bounced around Hollywood for a while. Yeah. But uh, anyway, he had, he had a kid show on Saturday, like Captain Kangaroo did. Mm-hmm. And he got thrown off the air for saying on on the, over the airwaves. Well, I hope that holds a little bastards for a week. <laughs> it, it was the Friday show, right? But uh, Soupy Sales, I guess, had a very 
filthy uh, stage show. My old mm. man said he caught Vegas or someplace. I that was it. also I, true of Bob Saget. Yeah. And I was stunned when I learned this, right? Because Me too. He's so clean and like full house and right. America's Funniest Home Videos. And, all. and, and then we you grew watch up his, with him on, on yeah. those things. Yeah. And then you watch his stand-up and, oh, my God, he's got a filthy he's raunchy, mouth. Right? Yeah. Like some of the worst I've ever heard. And you were talking about Fat Albert and whatnot, too. You mm-hmm. remember how many characters in that clan, like the kid that had the eyes cut out of his hat and the big lips and talked all, you just, you couldn't hardly, I be doom, be dinky, you be can, but I understand, but be. It's been a long guy? time. I, I'll take your word it's for it. It's been like the mush mouth version from Dick Tracy. Hmm. Okay. I mean, there's, there's always, you, you, they take an idiosyncrasy and run with it. And sometimes it's funny and sometimes it's cruel, but hell, that's the way the world is. Yeah, that's you know? true. When I was a kid, and I think I've always lived this way, if you can't laugh at yourself, you got no business laughing at anybody else. That's a great point. Yeah, one of the so, things uh, I don't understand about Velma, and I didn't think about it until you had brought you had mentioned this uh, sort of, Ian, is who was the target audience of this show? Because you got to know your target audience because that's what you build your jokes around, right? And you build your jokes to direct them at that target audience. But like, who were they trying to appeal to? I think with they're this trying show? to appeal to uh, millennial slash Gen Xers who grew up with uh, Scooby Doo, who are familiar with the characters, yeah, and who wanted to have an adult version of that. That's what this was. In, in which case, they should have taken a lot more cues from Family Guy than, or South Park or Futurama or insert adult comedy series here where, I don't know well, what they Those aren't murder t- mysteries, you no. know? I don't know. Well, any, any of them could be. I don't know what they took their cues from here, but it was, it was not good. I, if you can't identify the target audience, I think that speaks a lot about the, how direct, directionless the show is and how bad it is. Major, anything else you want to share? As far as why nobody can take a joke anymore, mm-hmm. I blame it on the internet. It's all this victimology and everybody's butt hurt because they get picked on because they go on Facebook and say something and some troll jumps on their back and they just feel like, ah! Well, the thing is, the internet is where oh, you can only, that's the only place you can find the good jokes, right? Like you can't get it from mainstream media or hbo max or whatever on this new these new programs but you can certainly get them in meme form because there's no censorship there people can make whatever kind of jokes they want to and the ones that fly are the ones that get passed around and they're some of them are really funny stuff i returned to world of warcraft classic recently uh, because i had some spare time i wasn't sleeping so i was like gotta do something since i'm awake anyway this game's been going on for what two decades now And this is world of warcraft classic so it goes back to the game from 2007 and you basically relive that expansion got it and it was a lot harder than the leveling was a lot so you gained power a lot more slowly and because of that it's a bit more grindy yes and Mm -hmm. it's that's a negative thing to some extent however Every little bit of power you get feels so much more rewarding Mm. because of that. You're not just given all of these things and you actually have to go out and earn them. And you you could die and have to spend a large amount of time recovering from that. And Mm. it was, it's, it's the difference between playing Minecraft in creative mode versus survival mode. In creative, you have everything given to you. You can just do whatever you want anytime you want, but in survival, it it means nothing if you build this great monument in creative. I mean, it's still kind of impressive because it still takes time to do that. But you don't have to go out and gather the resources. You already had them. But in survival, yeah. you do, and it makes it so much more impressive. Hmm. It, it doesn't mean anything to that kid to give them a trophy because they participated in the sport. But if you give it to them because they win, because they worked at it, well, that actually means something. Right. And it's going to mean something to that kid. So this is this sort of wussification that has been going on. This safetyism was a new term that I learned a few weeks ago for this. This, uh, you know, protecting the children and making everybody equal. And all of these. this mentality has been around long before the Internet. So I do agree with you, Aria, that the major was off on that point. Uh, but I think he was certainly right generally about uh, what he was saying. This is a, a, a direction that is unfortunate to see society go. At some point, we will probably see the pendulum swing back uh, against all of this wokeism, and that may or may not be a good thing. It might be good for a little while, and then whatever the other extreme is of this, I don't, I 
not really clear on what that would be. But There's definitely a connection between wokeism and participation trophies, though, that I don't think gets brought up enough. And this is why I criticize L- uh, gay pride, LGBTQ pride every June, and why I get you know mm-hmm. so many people upset at me on social media is because taking pride over being gay, that's just a participation pro- trophy for life. That it, It's a birth mm-hmm. characteristic, right? And that's what they argue. You're born gay. You're born you gay. don't have any yeah. control over it. So you're just taking pride in... In this characteristic of your birth. Right. It's like they would be offended by white pride. Right. But it's gay pride. That's fine. Right. It's just as bad as nationalism yeah. or racism or any yeah. other ism where you're just you're taking pride in not an accomplishment. It's something you could not control. Right. But in a yeah. characteristic. And I don't think you should do that. I think you should. If you accomplish something, hell yeah, mm-hmm. be proud of it. But if you're just if it's just a characteristic, there's nothing there to be proud of. Yeah, I was trying to think there. What what is the opposite of what if the pendulum swung back from wokeism, and then swings in whatever the complete opposite direction is? Probably would also be negative. And I was just thinking, what what might that be? Well, maybe it's where the person who wins the trophy is a total a hole about it, and like no one else could possibly be good enough, and that that sort of mentality. Yeah. I, I'm not sure exactly how that would manifest the sort of anti wokeism, the negative aspects of what uh, that would look like. Because, I mean, there is some value to telling someone, hey, look, you know, it's okay to not win, uh, to not focus all the uh, the attention on the just the winner or whatever, to tell somebody that, hey, you'll make it next time and be still try to be uplifting to, to the person while not giving them a trophy, right? So, like, right. maybe there is a middle ground there. Jimmy, you're on the air. Uh, yeah, I, I uh, just had a recommendation for an HBO Max series that recently debuted. And okay. That- the Last of Us. Oh, I saw is... this advertised when I well, I'm not advertised, but I saw this previewed when I went to watch Velma today. Okay, so this is a yeah. video game that they've now turned into a, a, a television series. Mm-hmm. And it's fantastic. It stays true to the actual uh, story in the video game so far. Mm-hmm. Did you play the video games? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've, I've I never them. did. All that. Weren't they very story-heavy anyway? Yes. No, no. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, they were, and it, it's it's kind of a, a zombie kind of uh, mm-hmm. idea behind it, but the zombies are uh, are uh, mushrooms, basically. They're, they're cordyceps hmm. that uh, have, uh, I guess, evolved to uh, take a host in humans and uh, make them and control them and make them uh, spread their... their spores and all that oh so very similar to that species that does that to ants in one of the mm-hmm. I, I think the amazon forest mm. i like that that's a clever idea i could realistically because yeah. my issue with zombies has always just been how utterly unscientific it is right these undead mm-hmm. things that are reanimated and they start eating brains or whatever however it's fiction right but <laughs> it's not supposed to be scientific i know but i prefer things that could be grounded in reality okay and I could see that with these mushroom things because mm. they do have mushroom species that do this okay. exact thing yeah. with ants. So it's not completely beyond the realm of plausibility that there could be a mushroom species that would do it with humans. Now, uh, is clever. This, go ahead. Well, I, I uh, had uh, a dog. Well, actually, it's my parents, a dog that uh, had a, a fungus that acquired it from somewhere. We live out in the country. And uh, it and it got this fungus in its in its brain, and it actually caused its eyeballs to pop out and stuff. It was horrible. Oh God! Seniors and everything, and they and they were saying in the <sighs> and, and this isn't really revealing anything uh, as far as the series goes, but they're saying you know that uh, cordyceps and mushrooms can only live in a host that's uh, doesn't get any warmer than ninety four degrees. Hmm. And apparently they can get into a host that lives or that's uh, warmer than that because, you know, dogs are, I I think they're about the same temperature as humans. So uh, tell me, though, about this series. I mean, how many episodes are there so far? Are they releasing them all at once, kind of like they've been doing in recent years, or is it a weekly kind of one-at-a-time thing? It's weekly, and it comes on uh, Sundays. Okay, and how many uh, episodes are you into it now? Just one so far, but so far it's fantastic. Aria, you have not yet had the chance to spend the three hours that it would take to 
uh, watch this new Avatar movie. Yeah, and at three hours, I'm probably never going to. I, I would speculate never going to, because it's not that I don't have three hours to kill, right? Because mm-hmm. I do. But it's a matter of opportunity cost. If, if I've got three, a, a solid three-hour window where I don't have anything else to do, Avatar, the the just isn't anywhere near the top of the list of things I want to dedicate three hours to. Yeah, and I gotta say, this movie would not have called to me either um, if it was just based on the trailer that I saw, because I thought the trailer looked terrible. It looked just so uninteresting uh, to me, but I just went on the, the pure knowing that James Cameron, the director, is a talented filmmaker whose films I have, I mean, always enjoyed, um, you know, Aliens and Terminator and, you know, The Abyss. All these are, are great, great movies. I didn't realize he did uh, Aliens. Yeah, that's one of his okay. best. Uh, True Lies. You know, he's, done, he's been a great director. And he's poured basically the last 13 years of his life or 14 years of his life into making this movie. So it's like, I guess I can spend the time to see if this one turned out all right. And you know what? It turned out pretty good. Uh, it turned out pretty great, actually, in my opinion. I wouldn't say it's one of his best movies, per se, Like just because I'm more familiar and I have more affinity for those older ones. But it is a really well-made movie. I did end up having uh, you know, emotions for the, the blue, blue people, right. the, uh, the Na'vi or whatever. Well, that happened in the first one as well, where I was genuinely engaged in their plight. And I was worried about them. Yep. And you know, I wanted what was best for them. I wanted the... The evil corporation to stop the really that they have to call it unobtainium. <laughs> really, like, come yeah. on. That aside, yeah. I wanted the corporation to to back off and to leave these people alone. I I, I empathized with them. I re- but it was basically just Fern Gully for adults. Yeah, it was. It was. But that wasn't a bad thing. And the thing they, that he did bring to the table in 2009, of course, was the the sort of the relaunch of 3D technology. You know, in the 1980s, they had the red and the blue glasses 3D, and it was a gimmick. And, you know, yeah. it came and it went. And the new 3D, still, it's a gimmick, but... It's a pretty good gimmick. I, I've been kind of, I wouldn't say a fan of it, but given the choice, I'll usually pay the extra two bucks. And nowadays you really can't do it. Nowadays, 3D movies are pretty much dead uh, yeah. at this point. But it was a gimmick and it was definitely improved over what, you know, the 1980s technology had. So I, I kind of enjoyed the gimmick. So it was, it was, it was cool to see that, um, that level of quality again, because some, some 3D movies are better in 3D than others. And this one definitely was. So check it oh, out. The if new you get one the was in 3D. The new one. Were yeah. you able to watch it in yeah, 3D? Here in Keene. Okay. Wow. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. I figured that they'd turned all the 3D off because there was never any 3D did. movies anymore. But no, they still still had it in 3D. So if you get the chance and you if you liked, I guess I would say this: if you liked Avatar, you'll probably really enjoy the the second movie. Um, if you like a good blockbuster movie, like I said, Bonnie didn't even she'd never seen the first one, and she was not like I basically dragged her to this one. <laughs> And she ended up really enjoying it. That's good. So, uh, I mean, it's hard to sit through something for three hours and not enjoy it, right? Well, if you're not enjoying it, you should leave. Well, right? obviously. <laughs> James Cameron's uh, science fiction spectacle became a phenomenon. Uh, they say here the uh, phenomenon referred to as post-Avatar depression among the fan community cast a shadow beyond the film's original release. Max Perrin, a 24-year-old digital artist... How much you want to bet Max this guy? Now? Max Perrin. Okay. How much you want to bet this guy is freaking out over AI art at the same time? I'm willing to bet he is. Yeah. Uh, living in Texas had an intense emotional experience. Much later than the first crop of viewers, he didn't see the film until 2017. Quote, a lot of people have experienced this in the community. Wait, wait this is in regards to the first Avatar movie? That's correct, yeah. Okay. This it wasn't article... that pretty. I mean, it, it was pretty, yeah, but like... It wasn't, I'm going to go slip my wrist level of pretty. Well, apparently these people think it is. I thought I assumed we were talking about the second no. movie here, the sequel, because I thought the second movie is bound to be prettier than the first. I mean, again, not having seen the first one since 2009, I can't say directly, but I would say it's in the same vein. Okay. I mean, maybe they poured more money on the screen for yeah. this one. They probably did. But, uh, I mean, the computer graphics are pretty, but 
so are every computer graphics of every like fantasy land and every video game that you've ever played. Yeah, I'm just you know? I gotta admit that I'm I'm shocked here that we're talking about the first Avatar movie. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. The story here is that these people are anxious about the second movie coming out because they had this trouble after seeing the first one and they had to form an online community (laughs) to support one another in their reality of living an adult you know humdrum life it sounds like they should not go see the second movie (laughs) certainly i mean if you can't if you can't handle it then (laughs) don't yeah i i mean these people apparently can't even handle life but uh, that's the that's what the story's about here so uh perrin this 24 year old artist he said a lot of people have experienced this in the community it really made me rethink a few things i had no idea that i could be so deeply influenced by something like this i had no idea just how deeply it was going to change me good lord dude <laughs> this is a movie and I, I can sort of relate. You know, some movies, some some video games, some whatever have had profound influences on me as a person. Yeah. But, like, not to the extent where I needed a, a support group to deal with it <laughs> right. or whatever. Usually, if the movie's good, you know, I think about it for a little bit afterwards. Yeah. Bonnie and I will have a discussion about whatever aspects we want to discuss. Maybe we'll talk about it on the air at some point, And then that's the end of it. You know, yeah. and if the movie's bad, well, it usually doesn't last. Whatever discussion doesn't last that long. <laughs> and that's the end of it. To be clear, anything that is successful is going to have a fan base. It's just, yeah. you know, we didn't know they existed. And they did because they were hanging out on Clutral, where it gained somewhat of a spotlight last fall, featured in the HBO series How to with John Wilson. The episode titled How to Remember Your Dreams documented a humble conference of Clutral members in New York. The two, uh, Williamson and Perrin, appear so at conferences? As, wow, they are dedicated. As does Clutrell user experience designer Nick Pavo, a 33-year-old video game developer and musician living in Massachusetts. While Pavo says he hasn't personally experienced a form of post-Avatar depression, he finds himself embedded in a community where he estimates that roughly 10 to 20% of his peers have been affected by the film in that way. He says, empathizing with and understanding it is part of who I am. Now, it's definitely dwindling. If you are experiencing post-Avatar depression, uh, the odds of you having been with us through the gap between movies was pretty high. People coming in now were very fine living their lives without Avatar. He was one of the people that Pavo, or Perrin rather, was one of the people that Pavo has talked with about post-Avatar depression. The Clutral community has played a part in several dramatic changes to Perrin's life. Quote, I remember being blown away by the visual spectacle of it and the compositions and emotional beats of the story. I went in blind and I was just swept off my feet. I was kind of in tears. I was also just like, I need to talk to somebody about this. That's when I found a Discord server where I met what is now known as the Clutral community. I was just ecstatic, he said. So let me make sure I understand this correctly. Most of these people that are in there now are people who are there because of the new Avatar movie because it's being mentioned again and they, they didn't think anything about Avatar in between the two movies. But 10 to 20% of them were in there all along because they're they're these obsessed super fans. And they were depressed? Something like that. Some amount of them. I think the 10 to 20% was the estimate on the number of who are depressed. The okay. number who are afflicted by this post-Avatar depression at what point they came into the community okay. may, may have varied over the years. Perrin, who has a lifelong fascination with linguistics, found a support network in the Navi-speaking channels of Clutral. While post-Avatar depression took a toll on him, the group helped Perrin find the language to recognize his own mental health troubles. Quote, I felt like... I felt like that was an amazing dream, but now I had to wake up. I had to return to the doldrum of reality, trying to figure out what I was going to do with my adult life. Doesn't he make video games and music? Uh, Perrin, I think, was the artist. Okay. Well, still, he's a creator. He, he's yeah. an artist. I mean, make some art then, dude. If your life is boring, if you find it ugly or whatever, you literally have the skills to make it better. Make it better. I had been struggling with depression, and I didn't know what it was. I didn't have a name for it. I was not allowed to seek out mental health treatments, psychotherapy, or anything like that. My family had religious views that were diametrically diametrically opposed to a lot of science and medicine. And he's what age? He's now 24. Sarah, go ahead. 
So I guess um, um, what's kind of interested yesterday of what you were telling me about what was going on in, in uh, Canada, and I I wanted to kind of do a a repeat here. Uh, I just need the better explanation of uh of that the the cigarette binders. So yeah. Never, okay. I, so you're referring to a story that I told yesterday about how when I was visiting Canada in like probably 2008, I think it was, maybe 2007, somewhere in that range, uh, that when we went to a convenience store, we were looking to buy alcohol at the time. And as it turns out, you have to go to the government stores in order to buy alcohol. Or at least this is the way it was 15 years ago. I don't know if it's that way today. Was this even for beer? I believe it was for beer and wine and liquor, if I recall correctly. Uh, Again, Canadians are probably yelling at the radio if you feel like you want to call in. And it might have just been on a... Ontario province or whatever, right? Because we were in Toronto at the time. So I don't know. But that's my experience. And in order to buy cigarettes, you could not actually look at a display. They were all being hidden. And you had to actually get a binder from the cashier. And then you could look through the binder to actually see what the inventory was that the store had. And then you'd say, oh, I want this, you know, Marlboro Reds or whatever it was. I mean, obviously, if you knew what you wanted, you could ask for it. But if you wanted to see what the inventory was, they had a binder because you could not be able to. You were not able to, allowed to actually look with your own eyes at a display in the store. So that's what the situation was, Sarah. Okay, so where, where would they have this? Uh, be behind the counters or behind the cabinet, or it was not that not visible. The cashier or, had it behind the counter, so you would have to ask the cashier. And then the cashier would get the binder out for you. Oh, but they actually have the products in where the where they could get them. But well, obviously, yes. If I recall correctly, and again, it's been fifteen years, they had the products, but they were hidden. So, like, they were out. Uh-huh. the The cigarettes were in racks, as you might expect them to be, and they just right. had like white cards in front of them, completely obscuring the uh, your vision as far as what the brands were. Wow, that is that is, and this is the Ontario Vancouver area, the the West Coast. No, Vancouver is completely on the other side of Canada. That is the West Coast. Ontario province is the sort of the eastern side of Canada, not quite Quebec, but the next one. Do you like oh, this idea, right. Sarah? Of course, she does. Well, you know what? It's, uh, I'm just trying to. That's why I'm trying to like uh, understand all of these things to. Because I'm, I'm like, well, why is it that this is the first time I'm hearing about this? I mean, the the anti... Because you're not on the internet. You're a loser in New Mexico who doesn't who doesn't do How anything. How would you know? I mean, you haven't taken the time to research other places in the world because you're completely fine with where you're at. You we've We've given you plenty of examples of other countries which are far more communist or more socialist, more... Uh, controlling in the ways that you would want. Like, you called in last night to gloat about how Mexico is now banning smoking in all public places, and we asked you why you wouldn't move to Mexico, even though it's right there. You're in New Mexico now, so it's just a you know hop, skip, and a jump across the border, and you're down in a place that would, uh, in theory, make you happier. But you're so addicted to the welfare and the status quo that you're not even willing to explore other options that might even be better for you. So that's how you don't know. You've never looked into anything else besides your little circle of where you're at and whatever welfare programs you can get on. I don't want to make it sound like I'm criticizing people for their fanaticism, right? Like <laughs> maybe it, it, not to to an extent. If this is if you know everybody has to pass the time until they die doing something and yeah. you know some people like to watch sports, that ain't for me. Some people like to play video games. I like video games. I don't play them anymore because I just don't have much time uh, for them. Some people like to get into one specific type of uh, one franchise of movies or 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 you know television series and and become obsessed. They write fan fiction. They draw artwork, fan artwork, and things like that. And you know, hey, to to each his or her own. But to be depressed over it. Uh, is is a whole other level of obsession. Yeah, that's where things get weird. This is where you're like, you know, in a dangerous kind of uh, space. And maybe it's just because these are people who would have been depressed anyway. 
and they just happened to see this thing that they really enjoyed, and then that just fed their depression because then it gave them something to say, oh, if only my life were on Pandora. I agree with that. I, I don't think you could be depressed by the movie Avatar unless you were already prone to depression, depression. and you were going to be depressed anyway. I think that's true. And but this just gave you, it was a catalyst maybe at the most, or it just gave you an excuse or a thing for you to point your depression at. Well, and so this story gets into sort of the weird details about what these fan, fanatics, because that's what fan is short for, right? Fanatics have uh, have gone through and uh, the way they are, quote unquote, supporting each other. So this guy, uh, Perrin, who's the uh, the 24-year-old artist, he admits that he uh, had teamed up with one of the Clutral's community leaders. Clutral is the Discord server that they all talk to one another about uh, their fanaticism. Did they ever say what that stood for? No, but oh, I bet we could look it up. Okay. Uh, no, but it doesn't say that. Uh, so I mean, I'm certain it's Navi for something. The dude offered him a ride from Arizona to Texas and a roof to sleep under. He said, quote, they've been a family I didn't know I could ever have. I never thought that my life would be so changed for the positive when I saw some movie about blue space aliens, unquote. The other guy in this story, Williamson, has also worked on his relationship with Avatar, reconciling a longing to engage with the property with its potential for it to trigger his depression. The solution he found worked best for him was simply allowing himself to be fully drawn in, a credo he has shared with others. Quote, so to, uh, to avoid depression, he has to become obsessed? Is that right? That's what he's saying here. He says, I talked to my psychiatrist about it, and she had a piece of advice I wasn't expecting. Let yourself do it. Stop trying to stop yourself, he says, recalling the weeks after he had exited college for a semester as he was depressed over seeing this movie. Maybe get a second opinion next time. <laughs> he said, I watched Avatar repeatedly, delved into the language community, and started learning Navi. After a week or so, it stopped. I've never had an incident since. Well, so apparently it worked for him. Maybe, but like, I don't know that you did anything. I don't know that there was any positive gain here. You simply went from being depressed to being obsessed. The Way of Water will make waves, which is the name of the sequel, will make waves in the community like nothing has before. While helping run Clitural, which is their online Discord server, Mr. Pavo has observed a return, or rather, a number of members pondering the potential mental health impact of a return to Pandora. Quote, there's definitely been a couple of people, less than you could count on one hand, who have mentioned, man, I'm worried this is going to hit me different, he says. Most of us are blinded by excitement. We're not even thinking about the possible consequences of what the world looks like after this movie. That's such a strange thing to even... Consider? Yeah. yeah. It's like, how is this going to affect me? It's a movie. <laughs> Just have right? fun. Yeah. Just go and enjoy it. But uh, for Williamson, there aren't many hard narrative expectations. The promise of finally expanding the scope of Pandora is more than enough to whet his appetite. But while he's bracing for an intense emotional viewing experience... <laughs> imagine having to brace yourself before going in to watch a movie. I mean, maybe for like a really scary movie that you know is going to be scary. I understand bracing yourself, but for like Avatar, I, I don't get it, man. I, I just don't. I don't ever brace myself for a scary movie either. It's like you go in for the experience of being scared by right. the thing, right? Like you accept that when you go in to that movie. I think it. I think there's a difference between, uh, you know, expecting and accepting and embrace or you know bracing oneself well certainly i mean bracing oneself is like the i i I don't know what one has it's just (laughs) i'm envisioning someone like breathing heavily like pumping themselves up yeah and i'm trying to imagine i'm trying to reconcile this with my understanding of the movie avatar and what it's about and what it does and i just don't understand how a person becomes so emotionally wrapped up in this fantasy world that that it could do this to them. Yeah. It's just a That's movie. Amazing. As for Perrin, he's particularly excited about the linguistic implications of the new film, which could broach a new Navi dialect through the story's introduction of the Mitkaina clan, a group that lives alongside Pandora's reefs. So in the movie, there's a change of scenery. Uh, okay. Instead of being in the same forest 
where you spent the first most of the first movie, they move you to an ocean area, and that's basically the main thought, change. Yeah, I, I was under the impression that the entire planet was mostly forested. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know, but I, I didn't, you know, study the history yeah. of this fictional world, <laughs> right. right? Me neither. And I'm not opposed to someone doing that. If you're fascinated with the fictional world, sure, go ahead and study if you want. I think it's probably alarming if this tr- fantasy world can trigger you, as Indeed. these people used, but to each their own. He says, I didn't want a life that was free of problems. It was just that the problems of the world of Avatar seemed more overcomable than my own problems, Perrin says. Well, that's weird. Yeah, I mean, they were looking at total extinction of their planet based on, you know, these murderous humans coming in and, like, dropping bombs or whatever yeah. on them. I mean, what's, what problems was this guy <laughs> dealing with? I mean, Man, getting up rough. on time? Yeah. Were you I, having trouble going to work on time? I don't Girlfriend know. Girlfriend broke up with you? That's a bizarre thing to say. Yeah. And a bizarre way for this person to view the world. He reflected on his post-Avatar depression and his time before moving to Texas. He says, It's going to be a very introspective time for me. I don't think it's going to be as negative as a lot of people's first post-Avatar depression. It's going to be be more solemn, sentimental, and retrospective, he said. The peculiarity of his circumstances aren't lost on him. Most life trajectories aren't shaped by a single sci-fi blockbuster. But after finding a support system through Trial, which is their Discord server, the way of water isn't just a long-awaited return to an alien world he loves. It's a hard-fought moment of triumph. Quote, I mean, good for them, I guess, but... It's still... It's foreign to me to have this level of obsession with a, with a piece of cinema. Yeah. He says, this is a movie about blue space cats. There's a good portion of people that are like, Avatar 2, did we really need this movie? Yes. Yes, we did, he says. I mean, I never asked whether or not we needed the movie. I mean, if people want to watch the movie, certainly it sounds like it was successful. So, yeah, sure. It was we, fun. We needed Avatar 2. But I, I'm avoiding the Final Fantasy VII remakes, right? Like, these are remakes mm. of video games that came out. They've been coming out. I'm avoiding them for a number of reasons. Most of them philosophical. I, I don't think the games needed to be remade. They were fine as they were. It's just a cash grab by the company. And instead of releasing a single complete game, they're serializing they're doing it. They're multiple parts. And, yeah, to make the most money possible off of it. And I don't think that they... Now, aren't they stretching it out, too? They like are also doing it? that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, they took this concise little story from the original run of the game and they turned it into something that's seven eight ten times longer and to me that's just obnoxious how many um games have come out so far of final fantasy 7 i believe just one remake oh wow okay i believe it is just the one this is going to take some time then yes and that's another reason that was like a couple years ago yes that's another reason i'm wholly against it like you want to get me with a complete story okay that's fine Mm -hmm. but Video game companies in particular, they have a terrible track record of fulfilling any of these serial promises. Mm. Like, they've all done it. And I think Squaresoft or Square Enix, the company releasing Final Fantasy, has also done it where they've, we're going to release this game in four different parts. And the first part comes out and then the second one is delayed and the mm-hmm. third one just actually never comes. Never makes it. Yeah. It's happened over and over in the video uh, game world. Disappointment. Maybe Square Enix will actually pull through for something as big as Final Fantasy VII, but... Each each iteration of the game is going to be a little bit less successful, a little bit less popular than the one before. You would think they'd have them ready to go, too. Like, if they really wanted to keep up the momentum. Like, I could yeah. see that working if it was, like, on a schedule. Okay, the first part's going to come out, and then the second part's coming out six months later, and then the third part's coming out six months later. That way you can keep hitting people. Well, then people to get burned out, though. You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, listen live, and more, all for free at freetalklive.com.